You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, tippers. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. Hello. It has been, I feel like, quite a while since we sat with you guys. We've had a lot of interviews come up, a lot of great interviews come up. Truly, you guys loved Nina's two-part episode. Yeah, we had a lot of really great reviews on that and the dancer's resource and Jamie, um, which was actually a controversial one regarding the sex sex addiction versus um, compulsive sexual behavior, um, which opened really good dialogue, so that's great. Yeah, I think so too. And you know what? I, I mean, if you listen to the episode and the first, the first question was, you know, what is sex addiction? And uh, Jamie says, you know, it's actually not recognized and this is what it's actually called. So the title, was it clickbait? Perhaps. Are we going to change it? Absolutely not. You're Talk welcome. No. <laughs> <laughs> clickbait away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Nina, Nina's episode... I talked to you about when we first did. I was like, "This is hands down probably going to be one of my one of my favorite episodes yes. because obviously Nina is a good friend of ours. So we just um, we obviously we get just on like a house on fire and we just shoot the shed. And it was a very long episode. It ended up being like the first first part I think was forty five minutes. The next part was like an hour and a half. So yeah. it was like two hour fifteen minute long episode. And that was me editing out an extra half hour. So people really loved her. They've asked for her to come back. So maybe she'll find her way back on the podcast, but I cannot do what I did with you where you weasel your way in and now I have 500 co-hosts. So. Oh, truly. It is enough editing for you. Just the two of us. It's just me. Okay. Thank you. Uh, no, it was, I had so much fun recording it. We were all stuck uh, away together. We were all in a hotel room having a good old time. So mm-hmm. it was just, yeah. Day three, we're feeling a little kooky. <laughs> Getting a little squirrely. Uh, yeah, but we are so happy to be chatting with you guys today because it is officially 100 episodes of 50 Plus a Tip, which is amazing. It has been honestly such an honor, and I want to say thank you to all of you. It's been such a privilege to connect with all the listeners and the Instagram followers and the guests. You know, this podcast has really allowed me to connect with people that I would never have been in contact with before and such amazing amazing people and and friends from across the globe and it's been really cool to see the growth of the podcast over the last four seasons so thank you so much to all of you for continually tuning in and writing in and providing support and criticism sometimes um and thank you Riley. <laughs> nah, you, you've done more than your fair share. I always joke that, you know, you just come for the, you just pop in and, and chew the shit and leave again, which I mean you do somewhat, but no, you've, uh, you've been um, huge in the podcast as well. And people, unfortunately, really like you, so you, you're kind of stuck here now. Thank you, guys. Uh, your, your invoices are sent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> To those who wrote in requesting me, thank you. I have sent your mail. <laughs> You'll get sent a it check on paper. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. It's been a real honor to be a part of this podcast. Um, we were doing a little uh, video, which will be out as well. But going back and realizing that I was in like episode, I think four or five of the podcast, and and seeing it all the way 
through to episode 100 has been really awesome. I think it's grown far more than, or far differently, far more than we could have kind of expected it to. So yeah, it's been really great to be a part of that change. And yeah, you've just done such a great job of cultivating um, a mostly positive uh, community through it. Yeah, you know, it's been really cool to have originally just wanted to really shoot the shit and talk about sex work and provide a safe space for people that want to learn more or want to kind of share their own stories. And then to now see it, you know, amass thousands of listeners across, literally across the globe. It's, mm-hmm. it's super cool to see that. Um, yeah, it's been an honor. And we are excited for season five. We are going to take a little bit of a break between this season and next season we're going to do some interviews in that time to you know um squirrel away for season five and have a little bit of break because it does you know take a lot to put the episodes together and the time in that so we're going to enjoy a little bit of a christmas holiday and we'll probably be back mid-january to be determined you consider like a little break (laughs) yeah a week (laughs) Um, speaking of Christmas though, we've been doing a lot of fun Christmassy things. We have. We, um, what was the first thing we did again? We did the, the Christmas market? Thing? Yeah, we did the Christmas markets in Vancouver. It's like a little German Christmas market, um, that we all went to, which was really fun. Um, and we recently just had our girls, uh, Christmas lunch, brunch, breakfast thing, depending on when you wake up in the day. Yeah. You made a delicious, like... Chicken and stuffing and everything. It was so good. Thank you. It was very, very tasty. We got some really cute gifts from that. Yeah. And then we also did really well. Yeah. And then we also did uh, Christmas goat yoga where the goats were in their little Christmas pajamas and it was really cute and there was very little yoga that was done. (laughs) That's very, very cute. It was very fun. It was adorable. Yeah. Have you been watching your Christmas Hallmark movies? I sure have. Um, I do like the classics every year I do the Grinch every year I do I've been watching this one Klaus it's a little cartoon oh I've heard good movie. things about that one it came out like 2019 and it's the story of how the letters to Santa started mm. um it is very cute it's such an easy watch um so I would definitely recommend that one and then I mean we, me and you both watched the new uh Netflix Christmas one, Love Hard, right? I actually really like that. Um, it was with Nina Dobrev, um, who obviously huge fan of because of the Vampire Diaries, yeah. let's be honest. And I thought it was really cute. I love the actor, and I can't remember his name right now, but he has a really good stand-up. Um, he's a really good comedian. So that was a really good one. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I also watched one called A Castle for Christmas with Brooke Shields. And that was pretty, like, it was pretty cheesy. It was definitely, like, scream tall mark movie. And, yeah, but it was still good. But I didn't know, I don't know if you know this, but Brooke Shields, um, she, like, came into popular, like, being popular because she, when she was 12, I think, like, 11 when it was shooting, she played a child prostitute in a movie and had, like, sex scenes and stuff and, like, nudity. Yeah. And, well, the like, 90s her, or 80s, yeah, tracks. Yeah. And, like, her mom would, like, come to, like, the... Like, I guess interviews with her, and her mom was like, Yeah, it's okay. Like, she can be a little child prostitute in a movie. Um, I know. It's like Dance Mom's on crack. Yeah, and I know (laughs) it's not a child prostitute. It's, you know, child trafficking because it's not like consenting age. But yeah, so I was like, Interesting. (laughs) The more you know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Jimmy O. Yang. 
is the yes yes and he's hilarious his comedy is really good too yeah I also enjoyed it I really back to love hard um I liked that it wasn't just another Christmas movie about Mm -hmm. white people and their problems Mm -hmm. yeah so. It's a nice, nice change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not your typical Hallmark movie. And I rewatched Bad Santa, which I don't think I've seen since I was like, I mean, when it first came out. Yeah, I've never watched it. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie. <laughs> uh, no, it's Christmas. nice. It's kind of different, which I, which I like. It's not your typical Christmas movie. Yeah. I think I'm going to start like watching the old ones like... Uh, Jingle All the Way. I think mm-hmm. it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Was Arnold Schwarzenegger that one? I have no idea. No, it's uh, this other guy. But anyways, yeah, Jingle All the Way is a classic. The Santa Claus is a classic. So yes, I'll I probably watch, watch all, all those. the time. Yeah, I'll probably watch all those ones when we get closer to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to watch all the classic Hallmark ones too. Yeah, speaking of Hallmark, you're having your own little uh, <laughs> Christmas, <That's> <laughs> Christmas <laughs> romance movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because, like, I got a message the other day being like, hey, I haven't seen you around lately. Um, are you, like, do you have a man in your life? <laughs> and, like, it's just funny how, like, when people know that you're, like, if you're not around as much, you're, like, preoccupied. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that will uh, make us sex workers not not make money as men. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm, you know, obviously I'm always making money. <laughs> and I, and I, I've expressed to that I'm still going to, like, you know, work here and there and do some shifts because of I want course. to, like... Yeah, have your own independence. Yeah, even if, like, someone pays me not to work, I still want to, like, have shifts here and there because, yeah, I want... It, it just keeps, yeah, me, also, it keeps me sane, I think. I'm sorry, but I'm not losing my work... My work's... Like, my work life. <laughs> 100%. I'll no. fucking throw a table. <laughs> no, I made the mistake last time where I just stopped working and I would go completely insane. Like, I was just... I was, like, squirreled up in the house and it just drove me crazy. But, um, yeah, no, it's been good. Um, just, you know, revisiting someone again. Yeah, and the old... <laughs> <laughs> the old come back around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we've been kind of all over the place for the last, like, two years, so it's been interesting to kind of, like, re-enter into something. But, yeah, I made it clear, like, I'm not looking for anything serious, right? Like right now until he sorts some things out on his mm-hmm. end and um yeah his side's a little messy but yeah we've just had to kind of like proper date again like the first like as if you're like first meeting again first dating yeah. so we've been doing all like the cheesy christmas stuff when he has time which has been fun yeah it's, like, it takes like the it's nice to kind of like start again you know what i mean like let's pr- put the bullshit that we went through behind us and like no of course yeah i think cheesy together I think so many people make the mistake of, like, when they go back to seeing someone that they once saw, how easy it is to just fall into the same movies at home type type thing. It's like, no, you should be trying to impress that person the way that you first tried to impress them. Yeah, 100%. Like, the idea of, like, you never stop dating someone, Mm -hmm. so... That's been fun. It's been a little hard to, like, bite my tongue on certain shit that, like, was from our past, but I'm working on it. Have to check in with that uh, next season, then. Yeah. We'll see in the new year how it goes. We'll see what he gets me for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) If if he'll come back, yeah. (laughs) He always got me very good gifts when we were together, so we shall see. But that's that anyway (laughs) uh we have a few random musings i've been thinking about over the x amount of weeks that you and i haven't 
chatted with with regards to the podcast. Yeah. Because God we knows we chat all day, every day. But so okay, so I heard something that there's at least six people in the world who look exactly like you. I want to meet them. <laughs> Isn't that a wild concept if that were true? Like statistically, apparently it's supposed to be a thing where there's like six people who look very, very, very much like you. I believe it. I bet there's more than look like me because let's be honest, I got, you know, fake boobs, fake lips, big ass lashes, used to have long black hair. I mean, to be fair though, with the <laughs> cosmetic surgery going around, yeah, like every, everyone looks the same. Yeah. But that's wild to me. Yeah. I honestly, there's been times where I have seen people around Vancouver that I swear to God, I know from, like, no, from New Zealand. Like, they look so similar, and I'm like, I, like, they're obviously not them, because I know that that person's in New Zealand. Yeah. But. Well, I said the other day, there's um, a girl we ran into, who you knew, mm-hmm. and I was like, do I know her from somewhere? And you're like, I don't think so. I'm like, I can literally, like, pinpoint her mannerisms. I must have, like, either met someone who's identical physically to her, or... I've forgotten her, which is very possible. I've heard a lot of people, let's be yeah. honest. But, and yeah, tru- truly, we, uh, we had a, um, a waitress at the restaurant, like, a while back, who looked identical to someone we knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I literally was like, I think it's her. And it took us, like, a solid hour to be like, okay, maybe it's not her because she's, yeah. like, not in town right now. But, like, that is actually insane. It was, like, a spinning image. But then again, like, she's also, like, you know, fake fake everything so heard of, heard of it. maybe they have the same doctor yeah i mean it's pretty common here in Vancouver. we all go to the same doctor so <laughs> that's that tracks to be honest so okay we have a fuck ton of listener questions because as you guys know we have put them off for a lot of episodes now and we still haven't likely we're not obviously likely going to be able to get through all of them but i've pulled out a substantial amount of them so we're going to really try all right. So the first Rapid one. file, let's go. <laughs> so the first one isn't a question, it's a comment, and it was regarding a post I put out that said, always be kind, you never know who might own a boat. And the response was, that last post about the boat made me laugh. A man asked me to meet him at a cheap grocery store parking lot once. It was so strange, and I went after a solid I went after a solid conversation. I thought I could get groceries if nothing else. He showed up in a hundred fifty thousand dollar Benz whisked me to lunch. Turned out he owned a fleet of 10 prize collector yachts and boats. It was a test and I won money. Oh my god, amazing. Right? <laughs> I could picture myself if I was like sugar dating and I was a man and I had a shit ton of money. I would absolutely play games like that. Being like, who's just going to shop because we had a really good conversation and here's a shit ton of money for it. I, yeah. You know you gotta k- get your kicks. I know. You gotta get your kicks somewhere. <laughs> But I was just like, it was a test, and I won money. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Noted. Go meet up at those. Do, do not go and meet up with <laughs> at a sketchy place. Maybe have someone on, on, on speed up. So, going into more of our messages here. Next one is, I was listening to episode 90 about exes dating downgrades. I know you said you were offended that he's dating down because of how it looks on you. But did you ever think that maybe he was just dating above his class with you? You didn't, and you didn't realize you were dating down because maybe you're in a bad time. And now that you broke up and realize your worth, he's back to dating a Walmart in the Walmart dating pool where he should have been all along. I mean, we attract what we put out there. So, 
if you were at a point in your life where you didn't realize your worth, then those were the guys you attracted. So he got lucky to snatch a bad bitch when she was feeling like a sad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I almost spilled my drink. <laughs> I laughed so hard when that one came in. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. No, I totally get the... The concept behind it. I think there's a lot of times where people are punching mm-hmm. out of their league for sure. Um, and it typically, I often find it's the man who like lucked the fuck out because the girl was like in a stupid place in her mind where she like let a guy have a chance that should never have had a chance. Oh, you live in fucking Vancouver. The amount of beautiful women that I see in Vancouver and like the men beside them. Yeah. And, and honestly, not even like just looks wise, the amount of women I know in Vancouver who are gorgeous and ambitious and achieving things and the amount of men I know who are mediocre at best and living off their parents like trust fund baby shit it's mm-hmm. like it's actually insane so that's why it's the the bad bitch when she was a sad bitch thing that that I love that. me for sure <laughs> okay next one I heard you on the shameless sex podcast I know you get a lot of questions so if you don't have the time to answer me no worries I'm a business professional living in central Indiana I would like to meet sex workers in my area it is important to me to locate professionals like yourself women who are in the business because they love what they do do you have any suggestions as the best place to find legitimate and professional sex workers thank you for your time bitch I'm here for money <laughs> I'm not here because I love it I'm just kidding <laughs> um, if you want to meet local sex workers, go to places where you can hire a local sex worker. Go to your strip club. Go to your exotic like massage place. Hire like pay for their time to meet them, as we say, over and over again. One hundred percent. Obviously, there's always websites as well, um, but there's usually Facebook groups too. Yeah. Um, or whatever your local. Yeah, so I, it sounds like he wants to be a client, right? Um, oh, I just thought like... Oh, I, I, maybe they don't want to be a client. I don't really know. I, it's important to me to locate professionals like yourself. Sounds like they want a pro sex worker to be the... Yeah, I mean, hit us up and um, you can send us a plane ticket and we'll be local. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly we're local. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I think your best bet is to go into sex worker um, locations and businesses, like a yeah. strip club, and then I don't know what you're looking for, but talk to those those women and professionals there. Yeah. Next one. I listened to episode 86 yesterday. The bit about letting your best friend know if she's dating a weirdo reminded me of a friend I had. When we were teens, this girl dated my housemate for a year or so, year or so and I ended up becoming good friends with her. They broke up and we continued being friends. Another best friend of mine told me a story about the new guy that the other girl had started seeing, telling me how he had been a DJ at a family wedding and at some point took her on a drive in his van and tried to have sex with her. At the time, she would have been like 15 and this guy was in his 20s. Barf. I had told the girl who had started seeing this dude, she was also younger than us, so it was probably still about 16 at the time when this dude was in his mid-20s, and she flipped off at me and couldn't see what I was trying to look out for her, and we hadn't spoken since. I definitely thought I was doing the right thing, letting her know about this creeper behavior, but she caught me off immediately. And for the tip question, well, let's stop there and address yeah. that. Um, yeah, 15's not legal age as far as I'm concerned anywhere, I don't think 15 is. 
I thought it was 16. Yeah. But I don't know. So... And I think it depends how old they are. They so, like, if whatever. you're 15 and they're 16, I think it's okay, but not okay, if they're 17. Like, it, it kind of depends on yeah, the area. Yeah, but okay, unpopular opinion, maybe, but, like, I don't give a flying fuck what legal age is. No 20-something-year-old should be touching a 16-year-old. No, that's what I mean, though. It's like, if they're, like... 15 and 15 and then one turns 16. Yeah, like, no, I'm, whatever. yeah, 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 you guys are all, like, in your little, like, grade 10, you know, lunch yeah. break, diddling each other, cool, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this guy's a fucking creep, and you 100% were in the right warning your fucking girlfriend, and she's a clown if she didn't see that, and let's be honest, when she hits her 20s, 30s, where when she looks back, she'll be like, wow, that was a fucking pedophile, she'll, she'll pick yeah. up on it. I completely agree, um, at that point, you're, you're absolutely doing the right thing, and they probably cut you off because they were defensive about it mm-hmm. and if you can't have like an open and honest conversation with a friend then I mean I think that friendship was almost doomed from the beginning 100% the next part of the message is and for the tip question the clubs in New Zealand you do a tip round after your stage spot we don't do this in Australia so I'm not sure how it works in Canada where we go around each table and ask for a tip at the club I usually work at there's no fake money or funny money so the customers are given $5 notes to use as tips. Some people tip 10 or 20 or 50 notes too, though. In general, I don't think there's a specific amount. However, I do think it is polite and respectful for at least one person from each table to tip each girl. Otherwise, it feels as if we are giving them free labor. Most people are pretty good about this, but you do have to get rude. You do get rude people along the way too, unfortunately. And following on from the tip comment, a lot of people are more than happy to tip for a motorboat, so they generally keep tipping if you take it from them with your boobs. A bit hard in corona times, though, as we aren't meant to have contact on the floor at the moment. Oh, and another side note. In Melbourne, since we don't do that and only tips would be people who actually put them on stage while you're dancing, which basically never happens, I would say more than 99% of people don't tip, which leads to a lot of girls doing very half-assed stage dances. If people tip, it is more fun for everyone and they will get a better experience. The lack of tips gets everyone feeling like, why are we even doing this? The expectation there is that you will not get tipped on stage whether you do a good performance or not. So most girls save their energy for hustling on the floor because they know that they will only make money from sung dances. How, what do you think of that model? About going around asking? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, anyone who's ever worked with me knows that... I have a very, like, come-to-me hustle where I rarely ever ask people for dances. I And that's really just me riding on my, not to be arrogant, ride, really riding on my looks and my boobs and just standing in a corner expecting people to come to me, which honestly does work in my sense because I think it matches my personality. Um, and I've never been really comfortable with, like, coming out to people and being like, please, come take me for a dance. Like, it makes me very uncomfortable. So my skin would fucking crawl if I had to, after mm-hmm. a stage show, go around and beg people to give me dances. Um, and I think, like, what she's saying here, where um, the only stage, or the only tips you're getting is the people that come to, like, Perv Row and actually tip you, that's that's pretty much how it is here in Canada. Ever I've ever worked has been like that. Yeah, yeah I don't like the idea of um, then having to go around and ask for tips. Like, someone should be doing that for you while you dance, you know? Especially if you're tipping them out at the end of the night. Like, yeah, you don't want to get up, like, get your fucking ass off your seat to tip a dancer. First of all, don't be in a strip club. One of the things that made me, like, I was like, what? When I first came back to BC was the idea of the dancers picking up their own tips. Like, mm. that was crazy to me because anywhere else I danced, you left the stage with your grace. And then someone else came and, like, 
picked up your tips. The, yeah, yeah, the idea of like you did a beautiful performance and you're ass naked and then you're like bending over with your like taint in the air as you're like <laughs> picking up your like your shit is just like wild to me. So that was something that was like kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have seen it done well where like girls will still kind of continue to dance to like pick up the stuff. It's mm-hmm. not just like a stop. And then you like crawl around. And then also I've seen it done where then during this time where they're picking up tips, they're getting extra tips and it's kind of like they're going around asking for like an extra at the end. Mm -hmm. But we've also seen clubs where girls have to go around and clean their own pole after they're done. Which is like next. I understand picking up the tips, whatever you can do in like a fun, cute way. But you're going to go grab the cleaning stuff and then like wash off them poles. Yeah. Like, and the best part is those clubs still expect you to fucking tip out those people at the end of the night for doing fuck all. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen like videos of people in America, because obviously like the ones are just so much more, like are so much more difficult to pick up, um, that you have a, almost like a broom to like. Well, in, in Alberta, because yeah. we do the toonie toss, right? Oh, fuck it. Girls with their fucking nails? Absolutely not. No, no, no. Not. You have a magnet. And you don't do it in Alberta. No, you don't clean up your own stage. So I'll clean no, up for no, you. I'm just saying like... And the guy, yeah, and the guy, or, or woman, I guess, but typically it's a man, comes with a, like a, um, a magnetic thing and comes like, picks up all the toonies. Oh and my God, okay. Like, puts it in a bucket. That's smart. Because I'm like, first of all, could you imagine like these poor motherfucking strippers on their stage just like... With their, like, <laughs> long ass acrylic nails trying to pick up like... Girl, I drop like... 600 toonies? No. I don't know. I drop coins on the street and I'm like, well... <laughs> Make sure you rest in peace. It belongs to the streets now. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it is interesting to hear how like different places operate. So we do love when you guys write in and be like, well, here this is like this way. So definitely keep doing that. It's cool to hear how um, New Zealand, Australia and all those places do theirs as well. Yeah. Next question. Can you refer a doctor for Botox or non-invasive procedures? I'm trying to figure out if I can make my facial appearances more feminine, preferably trans-friendly. Um, the reason I included this one is because, no, I can't. And <laughs> no, uh, my, I think my Botox lady is great. I have never thought to ask regarding their stances on um, transgender individuals coming to them, but I definitely can. Um, the reason I include this is because I think it's something that I don't think people in a non-marginalized community think about, Mm -hmm. but I want to acknowledge that that is something that you have to think about is, are they trans friendly? And that's something that we've touched on with being in a sex worker community is like when you're going for your therapist and, and psychologist, you were looking for someone who is sex worker friendly. Yeah. That being said, if anyone is in the um, Vancouver or surrounding areas and they do have a doctor for Botox and non-invasive procedures who they know to be um, a queer ally or and especially transgender uh, friendly, definitely write us in and I'll pass that information along and I can cover out your name and, and not share who it's coming from. But if anyone out there does have suggestions, please send them in for this lovely individual. Yes, please. Next question. Question, is there a resource on deep throating? My girlfriend and I are talking. She's trying to figure it out. Maybe a question for the listeners or not. I thought I'd ask. I swear to God we've done an episode on this. I'm I'm sure we have. So. Oh my God. I'm just, I'm just, 
having like visceral flashbacks from when I was in high school and girls would give like little tips which I'm sorry like do not work when you're like deep throating or like giving head of like what was that one you have to like uh like cover you like hold your thumbs in a fist to like stop you gagging I've never heard of this before no they obviously they don't work but it was just like put your tongue to the top of your mouth or I'm having I'm having flashbacks <laughs> um I think the main things are you can train your gag reflex um so just practicing even if you have a dildo practicing on putting it deeper and deeper down your throat Although some penis owners do prefer you to gag while you're deep throwing because it makes them feel better. Um, so I think that's part of like knowing whoever you're performing oral sex on is knowing if the gagging is a part of the arousal experience or if they want you to be able to you know, take the whole dick. Um, so that's something to do with practicing on a dildo, putting it all the way down your throat. Um, using lube when you are deep throating to, you know, avoid any kind of friction in the throat, which is also going to make it harder for you. And then a huge thing is the position you are in when you're performing mm-hmm. oral sex. So there are certain positions where you, the way you're holding your head is going to like kind of close off your throat area, if that makes sense. And there are certain positions that will allow, um, a more like mid, like, um, more, smooth kind of like streamlined streamlined entrance into the throat so yeah those are just like a few of the basics um obviously practice makes perfect so you know if you're not if you don't have a regular partner who you are comfortable with being like hey can I just like practice deep throating with you and we can like work out positions like get a dildo in go into your bedroom lube that shit up and just like have at it have at it and then like I'm not even joking like lie on your back have your head over the fucking you know um the bed frame or like go on all fours like try different positions even with your dildo and see which one makes you feel like your throat is the most open um but yeah I mean yeah definitely pay attention to like the curvature of the uh, that's huge too yeah because I mean there's been penises in my life that in particular have curved up. And if you're on your knees in front of your, um, in, in front of your partner, like it's really difficult to get a hard penis to like curve the other way down your throat. Uh-huh. So, you know, as you said, lying on your bed with your head over the edge of it really helps or being able to do it in like a <laughs> 69 positions? 69? 69 positions. Oh, no. There's some sexy nines. Just sexy. Why is it not all that? Why is it some sexy nines? Oh, no. For certain curvature, that is a great angle to suck dick and do deep throating. But, um, and you could just see the, the balls like smoking her in the nose and eyes. <laughs> and all I could think was like, oh my god, your lashes. <laughs> oh, truly. Uh, take on really for the team. But yeah, there's different positions that, like we said, open your throat. So, mm-hmm. a, a big thing also too, breathing through your nose and doing like very, like, calm slow breaths too um really helps relax your throat muscles as well so do that as well. just let it happen 
Probably. <laughs> I said, don't panic. Just let it happen. Let, let it slide, slide on. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. But then also, like I said, like some guys love the idea that you can't deep throw it. So like read the room. Oh, right? so guys, learn it, how to deep throw. But then think that you can't. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> don't give them the satisfaction. <laughs> Just take it all and watch them slowly hate themselves. Yeah. And then, with a mouthful, ask, is it in? <laughs> Are you going to start now? <laughs> whilst, whilst you have a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take them down a pig. Mm-hmm. And that's how we will slowly get rid of the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I used to, like, I, no, I used to. I love sucking dick. Like, I, I do if I like the person. When I was younger and, like, wasn't, like, well, I mean, I pretty much was, like, always in a serious relationship, but, like, when girls used to, like, tell me about one night stands and they were, like, oh, I went to town on his dick and blah, blah, I'd be, like, ew, he didn't deserve that. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, like, I think we have talked about this before, like, sucking dick is fun when you actually like the person. Mm-hmm. But, like, I cannot imagine if I didn't like the person do that much work or something, I'd be, like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Get your psh. It's like slapping you in the face. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, next question. Hello again. I asked this question before. How do you compliment a dancer? You haven't answered it on air or in private, so I think I'll ask again, especially since you and Riley were discussing the subject in episode 86. I understand when Riley describes some as backhanded compliments, but two made me scratch my head. How can being told you smell nice or have soft skin be anything but a positive compliment? If I was a customer and you were sitting on my lap, I would feel really good if after you had leaned over and said you smell nice. I would be happy that either the soap or the cologne I had used before coming into the club was a good choice. So what don't I understand? And more importantly, how do I give a positive compliment? Because if I can't, then I am just going to sit there quietly. How do I feel? How do you feel about a customer who doesn't talk? One final question. What do you consider a reasonable tip would be? And how often do you expect to receive a tip from a customer? So... I'm going to check you real quick because we actually did read and answer your question regarding giving comments in episode 86. So I think you missed it. So you're going to have to go back and open your ears and listen to that one again because we did answer that one. But I will break it down for you. The takeaways from Riley and my answer was that offer your compliments with a tip because verbal compliments are not what we work for. And if you're trying to tell us you like us, a money offering is the biggest compliment. So yeah, verbal compliments, cool, awesome, great. They do not pay our bills and we are at work to pay our bills. We also advise for verbal compliments to make sure you aren't just making a backhanded compliment and the example of that was you're actually smart and instead say, I love how smart you are. You know, you're saying the exact same things but one is a backhanded because you're saying, oh, you're actually smart which the not said thing there is I didn't expect you to be smart or you're smart for a whore. So like, let's think about our wording here. There's a lot of power in words. And also don't do compliments that put down other people in the room. So Mm -hmm. you don't need to say you're the prettiest girl here. You don't need to say you're the hottest girl here. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where we are. You can just say I'm, I'm pretty or I'm hot. Like it doesn't, you don't need to compare yeah, me to another dancer for me to feel better. And in fact, it doesn't. It just makes me think, okay, well, now you're, you're just like putting down other girls. Or, yeah, yeah I don't 100%. Know. Also, avoiding uh, low effort compliments like, you're pretty. And instead, personalizing them by saying, you're so pretty. I love your green eyes. Like, that means a lot more to most people. 
And then your second question here, what do you expect a reasonable tip to be and how often do you expect to receive a tip from a customer? So I saved you the trouble and I asked our Instagram followers, I posted on the story a while back and I let people write in and these were some of the responses we got. Uh, 10 on $40 or 50% every time, $20 on top of the dance costs. And dancers should be, dancers should cost a minimum of 40 to $50. Uh, $30 tip someone said, and I said a reasonable tip on a $40 dance is a minimum of $10. None of this $5 dance bills. Tip for every dance. 20% if, and 15% if you weren't happy with the results. Um, a non-regular should tip 10 to 20 for one to three dances or 100 to 200 per hour. A regular should tip more. A lot of people said that they expect 20% tips. $10 price, I pay for the room. I expect to tip 100% of the time. I have a client that tips me in video games and Nintendo gift cards. I'm happy with any tip, but hopefully it's over $20 and ideally at least 50. I don't expect a tip, but I politely ask for one. 20% is standard for good service. Another person said 20%. It was very common that people were saying 20%. And then one said, depends on the service and how long. Bigger the better, though. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, what would you tip a server? You know, like, you're tipping 20%. And now imagine the server got naked. <laughs> yeah. And you would want you to tip <laughs> <laughs> Um, No, I think 20% is pretty fair. Um, I think even better is to ask the dancer, um, depending on when you dance, like what they have to tip out per dance and cover that cost. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we can sell half hours or hours um, at the club that I work at. So it's always nice knowing that I'm going to make actually what is being paid if they cover the cost of my tip out. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm just sitting and talking with you, uh, I don't know, it kind of depends like, you know, usually either like a half hour or an hour. Um, I don't expect it to be the same as if I'm dancing for you constantly, but you know, it needs to be significant enough that I'm not losing money walking around the club. What yeah, hundred percent. I think like another thing too is don't ask for change back. So if a dance was fifty bucks and you have twenties and you give her sixty, for God's sakes, just give her the fucking sixty. Do yeah. not ask like, do you have change? Like, ew, or if you went for like a dance and it's 50 bucks and you have a hundred, just give her the extra 50. Like, don't ask for change. We're not a fucking bank. Um, or if you really want, just get like, get the other dance. Like, yeah. if, if it's, if it's $50 a dance, you only have a hundred, just get the other fucking dance. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. The next one here. I worked this past weekend and there was a guy who had been in the previous week at the end of the night who asked me out for a coffee a few times and I just avoided him and went home. This weekend, that's just been, he came in early and I kept asking me to go for dinner. Meanwhile, not tipping or spending money or anything other than alcohol for him and his buddies. I said to him, sorry, I don't see customers outside the club. And his response was, I'm not a customer. That's why I'm not paying you. Oh my God. <laughs> to say, yeah. Oh my God. To say I was furious. I ended up telling him he was being incredibly rude and not to speak to me again. And that if he did, I would have him removed from the club. Why are men? <laughs> Why are men? Uh-huh. Um, I had a customer the other day that was coming up to me to asking me if I wanted a, in quotes, daddy. Um, 
and that he could pay me X amount per month. And I was like, absolutely not. This is not worth my time. This is not worth my money. Even He's like, I can pay you $3. <laughs> Honestly, get your fucking, as Nina would say, get Patrick your fucking Star. Patrick Star money out of here. <laughs> Why are men not embarrassed? <sighs> it's embarrassing. It's actually wild. If women had one-tenth of the unwarranted confidence that men have, the world would be a better place. Y'all men ain't fucking the shit and like you just have no like it's just yeah the things I see men say and do and they're I'm I'm embarrassed for them. How are you not embarrassed? They just think that they're God's fucking gift to earth. Yeah. Like this man wanted to be my sugar daddy and he would I was like great let, take me for some dances let's, let's talk about it you know put your money where your mouth is and he was like no I don't I don't do dances so I was like why the fuck would I think that you could fund my lifestyle or you know have it worth my time to save me from this place if you can't even take me for a fucking dance get the fuck out of here preach 100% what a joke um, yeah, whole ass clown. Um, I probably would have slapped a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I have a his face. <laughs> but yeah, fucking goof. I would lose it. I'd be like, you're a deadbeat. We don't want no scrubs up in here. Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> like, yeah, even if you're not broke, if you're not willing to, like, Spend money on me like when you're in my establishment. Instead of you're acting like a broke ass bitch. If you're acting like a broke ass bitch, you guys, we have be in my ass wheat belt. May as well be a broke ass bitch. We have some people like talk about how much money they have. I don't care fuck how much money you have. How much money are you giving me? That's exactly what I said to this fucker that like came up to me. And he offered me such like a infuriating amount. I was like, I'm sorry, like the last sugar daddy I had like gave me X amount per month. And he was like, he was visibly shook. And yeah, I, I remember the guy we talked to the other day, and he was like, um, how much is the mo- most you've made in a day? Yeah. And we were like, you know, <laughs> an amount. And he was like, ah, I think he fell out of his chair pretty much. And we're like, you don't think we'd be broke over here? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, he he was like visibly shook. And then he was like, okay, how about, and then like went up like again. It was like, <laughs> a, it was like not even half of what I had quoted. And I was like, yeah, like you see how that's like, not the same yeah. thing. <laughs> I looked him dead in the eye and I was like, I ain't taking a pay cut for you. A hundred percent. Matters so embarrassing. Next question. Danica. I regularly And Riley. No, this one is towards me. <laughs> You're not there yet. Okay? And Riley. <laughs> Season five, you'd be at Riley. Okay. I regularly you lose my voice when I dance, especially in louder clubs or when I work too often. Mentioned it to a musician customer and he said you need to speak from your diaphragm more rather than your throat but ultimately Riley was correct the number one cure is resting it also a fun tip if your voice is on the out mid shift is to pretend you don't speak English well pretend not to understand half of what they say then soon they will give up trying to dredge your whole fucking life story out of you before they can deem you worthy to grab his lap for five, 10 minutes I studied abroad in France and I do a fantastic French accent bonus points French backpacker equals exotic novelty in Oz. Sometimes I do Colombian or Brazilian as I have lots of mates from there and that's even more exotic. But only when especially thick redneck Aussie guys, because if they're halfway worldly, they'll realize I only know how to order food and flirt in Spanish and Portuguese. Well, 
By the way, this trick also comes in handy if you're not in the mood to talk much, which is almost never for me because I'm a huge people person, big part of why I love this job, but occasionally I'll have PMS and it's a shift five in a row during footies finals and I'm gonna punch the next boomer who demands to know why I'm 33 with no kids, which I was joking, or how this is, in quotes, easy money. Love that. Um, so I have learned that the French route is not the route to go because every fucker here speaks French, so I can't escape out with French. Um, I get mistaken for, uh, what are my top ones again? Persian. Persian all the fucking time. The only Persian I know, word I know is Habibi. And <laughs> I'll sprinkle that in every once in a while for flair. Um, but um, yeah, I do need to take some of these tips. I'm going to start speaking in an accent. I can't speak my French accent, so I gotta speak it something else. I gotta learn the accent, because French is the only accent Repeat I really have. Repeat after me. What's this? Repeat after me. Oh, God. Can you please do your Canadian accent? For, for the 100th episode, can you please just do your Canadian Absolutely accent? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, I don't we'll have see how you won't be here for season five. <laughs> <laughs> also, I liked the part when she said I was right. That's all you heard? Yeah. <laughs> you stopped listening. You're like, I'm Kate, like, don't have this. <laughs> <laughs> there was like butterflies like that's all you saw was like butterflies I'm finally right you know what's funny is that it's been so long since some of these messages have sent in that I don't even remember some of the things they're saying like in episode 86 you're like 14 episodes ago yeah you're like talking about how if you should tell your friend if they're dating a weirdo I was like hmm I wonder how I responded to that. I mean, we sound smart. We sound brilliant, whatever the fuck we said. Uh, It's bad. (laughs) But this is why we need to have more regular conversations. Also, I promise in season five, we'll be better about addressing your questions. I am good at responding via messages. Like, I do respond to people. I just don't always get it on air. So, bear with me. Sometimes we have too much shit to talk about um, on air. But, But we're here now. So, anyways, next question. Hey, I am a new listener. My older sister introduced me to your podcast because I would like to become a stripper. My younger... Um, pause. Amazing that you told your older sister that you wanted to be a stripper and she was like, I have the podcast for you. <laughs> Love this family. Um, uh, well, no, like that remember, it wasn't with you. You didn't come with me. I I'm sorry, what? booked... I know. I had another Who? friend. I've since killed her. <laughs> <laughs> For legal reasons, this is a joke. Allegedly kill her. <laughs> oh my god. Bitch is dead. <laughs> Girl, they got so much other shit to get me. <laughs> anyway, joking. I have a law abiding citizen. So in other news, I'm moving back to New Zealand. <laughs> Deported. I gotta go. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I booked a, um, this is a long time ago now, so maybe that's why you weren't there, but um, I was booked for a, a birthday party for like an 18 year old, 19 year old kid. Like you just turned 19. It was really weird. Oh my God, yes. I remember you telling me about this. And the mom was telling me how her daughter, who was there, who was like 16, wants to be a stripper. And she's like, can you talk to her and like tell her how to get into it? And I was like, okay, in a couple of years yeah. when you're legal, when here's my is. podcast. <laughs> Listen to it. It's so funny. But I love it. I love the mom was like, hey, like mad respect for you. I want my, my daughter wants to do this. Can you teach her how to do it yeah. in a proper way? Cool. 
Back to our question though. Hey, I'm a new listener. My older sister introduced me to your podcast because I would like to become a stripper. My younger sister and I would like to start a podcast together. What would your advice be for that? I also want to say I really love your podcast. It makes me feel like I'm not going to go in and blindsided. Firstly, exactly what I want this podcast to do. I want to give people kind of a crash course in the industry and give them a heads up what they could be entering into and just, you know, the things you don't hear about. So I'm glad that your sister passes along to you. Good job, sister. Um, what, uh, what would my advice be for starting a podcast? Um, I am very lucky that the podcast has been very popular and I've gotten the amount of followers and especially the amount of listeners I have. Um, it's actually insane to me that there are thousands of people across the world. Listen, uh, cheers to all of you. I think a huge reason why it was successful, um, I can't take full credit for it. A huge reason is because of the guests I've had on who have great followers as well, who have promoted me. Um, that was a huge thing was collabing with awesome like-minded people. And another big thing I think is that I will throw it to Riley that Riley and me have great chemistry. So if you are going to bring on a co-host, it's someone who you genuinely love to talk shit with and get on with and who is committed to the podcast with you because Riley never leaves me hanging. If I tell her a day we're, we're going to be recording, she's there. She's putting her all into it. Um, for the most part, she's not texting on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is really awkward. <laughs> and she likes slowly, but I'm going to fuck on my phone. Uh, no, yeah, no. She's, no, in all seriousness, now you, you do show up um, and give 110%, which is huge. Um, and then I think another reason why you've been successful is because I think... Well, the hate listeners... Yeah, all the people that hate us. <laughs> no, but let's be honest. All you, you fucking bitches. bitches <laughs> all you fucking bitches who are obsessively hating on us, who obsessively listen, who post about our podcast yeah. because you allegedly hate us so much. Shout out to you cunts. Baby, if you want to be on the podcast, just say so. Yeah, you little bitch. <laughs> but thank you for listening religiously and keeping us so relevant. Oh my god. We <laughs> No, jokes uh, aside. We the podcast on everybody's lips. <laughs> yeah. No, jokes aside. I think a, a big reason why we have been popular is, I mean, like, you can't really toot your own horn like that, but I think it's because, like, one, there's not a lot of podcasts who are super fucking handed with sex work and are really providing a safe space for other people in the sex community to talk about shit and be authentic and no judgment and not doing it in a glamorized, like, out for outsider way. Like, mm-hmm. it's very much for the community. And I think that's why individuals in the community do like the podcast. You truly um, have to find your niche and stay within it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, even myself, like when I first had a podcast and it was about just, you know, sex and dating podcast, it was so vague. It didn't have, I wasn't wholeheartedly involved in that because I was with a partner for so long that I wasn't really in the dating scene. And then once I switched and decided to go on my own and do a sex work podcast, like I could really get behind it because that's something I was very passionate about. So I agree with Riley, like finding something you are passionate about your own niche and then if you're going to have a co-host, having a co-host that fully supports you and fully is into the vision that you see for the podcast and then just really connecting with your community. And 
taking it seriously like a job. Um, I think you'll find success there. And then again, I can't, I can't ignore the fact that I have been very lucky with God collabed with and had really good support from people who are well respected in their communities as well. So I think it's a kind of like the perfect storm of all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, don't get discouraged if you don't find success in the first like, you know, year, you know, it's, it's been like a slow climb, but totally worth it. And I think going into the mindset, like I did of like, I just want to get people's voices out there, even if it doesn't find success. And then success was like the secondary awesome thing that came along as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think regardless of, um, you know, what your podcast is, you have to do it like for your niche, but also for yourself. Like you have to want it, like you have to want it enough and enjoy it enough that if it never gains success five years down the line, it's still a really great diary for yourself. And definitely. And like, yeah, hundred percent when I first started, it was very much just like a way to debrief. I like to get things out and to connect with people I want to connect with. And that was cool. And I remember the first time someone quoted my podcast to me who didn't know I was the person behind it was like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. People that don't know me listen to the podcast mm-hmm. now. And then when I started getting messages from people that were like across the world and, you know, um, across North America and like in like, you know, China and like India and Japan, like fucking everywhere in New Zealand, Australia, like, um, that was like, that was cool to start like connecting with people. So yeah, just stay, stick it out. Um, and like, and like I said, even if it doesn't get like, you know, insane success, um, know that like you're just doing something you generally enjoy and want to do. Uh, next question. I've got a personal question, not urgent. Do you like your boobs? Is it a thing you've done for your job or do you really love them? Are they the size you'd have as your preferred choice? I hope I'm not being overly personal. I've been wearing breast forms full time for a couple of months. I love them so much. One very last question. What bra size are you with the 700 CC implants? So, um, not a personal question. I have fake boobs. I never hide that. What? Yeah, shocking, I know. I know. <laughs> what did you say the other day when you were doing yoga? Like, oh my god. Yeah, when you were doing dog yoga and you were wearing this, like, you were wearing leggings and then, like, a tight black shirt. And I was standing right next to you. And we were in, like, we were, like, on a farm. And I just, like, looked sideways and all I saw was, like, breasts sticking out. But, like, I'm wearing, like, a, a turtleneck long sleeve. No, 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 for sure. It was it just, was, like, like, my actual silhouette was just, like, was so a, aggressive. The and mirror, also, like, the mirror silhouette of my side, side boob. Yeah. <laughs> And like truly in a sex worker realm, it, you, you're not like, you don't stand out that much. Like a lot of girls have like fake boobs, fake asses and stuff. Right, but exactly. when you take all of that down and you're in a farm in the middle of like buttfuck nowhere with like goats, like they're a little grissy. <laughs> Which is funny. It's like, you get used to it, right? Like I don't think my boobs are big, but I also like, I think I have a little bit of body dysmorphia where like my, I do have a you smaller think? waist. So like my <laughs> boobs in comparison, I mean, I am a, an hourglass like I'm you know 30 26 30 so like they are hour no sorry 37 37 26 37 yes that's what I am so like they are hourglass they are proportionate <laughs> okay people but I guess yes they do look big um so what was the first question uh do you I love my boobs do you like my boobs I love my boobs I love them they are Perky, I have a lot of fucking cleavage. The cleavage line is exactly how I want it. My nipples are the size of a quarter, I would say. Yeah, um, not hard. 
like when my nipples are soft, they're the size of a quarter, so I have small nipples. Um, visualize it. Visualize it. Enjoy it. <laughs> wait for it. So yeah, I have small nipples, which I wanted. Um, yeah. Um, are they the size you'd have your preferred choice? So I think I've talked about this before. The first time I got my boobs done, I did a um, half lift, half mastopexy, and 500 cc's. I already had large breasts before, but I had lost 40 pounds, so I found like they were just not as perky as I wanted them at that age. I think I was 20 at the time. 21? No, 20, because I, I didn't start stripping yet. Um, and I got a lot of compliments on my boobs, but I didn't like how natural they were. A lot of people were like, oh, are they fake or real? And a lot of people were like, I love when like fake boobs, you can't tell they're fake. And I was like, I want them to look fake. So two year, a year ago, last, gen, last year, two Januarys ago now? Maybe it must have been two Januarys ago now. 20, 2020. 2020? Yeah. Last year. January 2020. Um, I went out to Miami to a surgeon who's like the boob god out there and I showed him a photo of these boobs I wanted and they just looked like I thought perfect. Like they just had like a very close cleavage line, a very like, um, they had a lot of volume on the top plane of the breast, which I liked. And I was like, I want these tits. And he was like, okay. I was like, I want 700 cc's. Like I want them to be bigger. And he was like, okay, perfect. Um, I was like, if my body can hold 700 cc's, because obviously, like, I've seen 700 cc's on girls who look way too big for their frame, and I've looked at it, they look like nothing. So, on my rib cage, if 700 works, I want that. And I want my nipples redone, like, I want them to be, like, super small, whatever. So, I ended up doing a full lift and 700 cc's and redid my nipples. And my scars, like, you can even test, like, they're pretty mm -hmm. much non-existent now, which is wild for a mastopexy scar. Usually the scar is from the nipple down to the crease and then around the crease. Like and a anchor, anchor yeah, scar. Yeah, or lollipop scar. And I don't know, you can barely see the mm -hmm. scars going down my breasts, which I've been very lucky with the way my body scars. It doesn't become very obvious. Do you think that if you weren't in this industry, you would have A, gotten them redone and B, gotten them the size that you did? Yeah, so like the size, like, really, uh, my job really didn't play a single role in me wanting breast implants at first because I wasn't even doing stripping when I got yeah. them. And then um, wanting them bigger, I 100% have never got something on my body because of the way I think other people will like it. So I don't think my work impacted me wanting that size. I've just constantly seen so many breasts where I'm very well attuned with, I like that look mm -hmm. on a body and I want that look on my body. Um, because to be honest, like my look isn't for every client. There are clients who like very small breasts. There are clients who like the not fake look, right? So I probably, I probably didn't fully help my dancing career doing a very fake look, to be honest, because a lot of guys don't like the fake look. Um, so yeah, so I know I think I would, I think I still would have gotten the breasts I did, even if I wasn't dancing, because I don't think it's helped my dancing career getting the boobs. I, I just asked because I think that's what the listener was like. Yeah, no, they, that's yeah. Like, yeah, that's the next question they said. It's, um, uh, are they the size you have preferred choice? And then, what, oh, and then, oh, sorry, and the last question was, what bra size are you? Um, so this is funny. So my bra size is uh, the 30 double H. 30 double H is my bra size. And I posted something about that as a joke, 30 double H. And uh, this guy, of course, commented to me, he's like, if that's not a real bra size, I'm like, okay. That you know of, Okay, so. Okay. I don't have 30 double H's, whatever. Yeah. Like, 
yes, I have a small rib cage and I have 700 cc breasts. Like, but anyways, it's so funny. He's like, it's not your bra size. Okay. I fucking hate it when guys <laughs> ask. I hate it when anyone asks my bra size, to be honest, because my, I mean, fuck me. I'm flat chested next to you. Like, <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> to me, it doesn't bother me because I know people are like, they haven't seen boobs my size or they're like yeah. generally curious like wow you have big boobs what are those size no I just hate it because like I have like I have a very small rib cage and then I have like reasonably large boobs for my size so the bra size that I am is a 28 D sometimes double D and when you're looking at me and someone else who's like a 34 D they're like absolutely you're not and yeah. I just like I got I you know I like start when it was like my last year in high school like I finally got boobs and it was always like the thing to talk about. Hmm. Um, and I was like, I can't, I can't, I feel like I'm fucking lying. Yeah. No, I, I always had boobs. I had boobs at like 13. Like yeah. I always, I remember when I was 13, I thought I was like 18. Like I was very like, I had curves when I was 18. I already was 13 as well. Like I had breasts, I had hips. Um, and I think that's another reason why 500 cc's looked real on me. Cause I already had the breast mm-hmm. issue to like cover the implant. Right. Um, and the, there's just so many factors into breast implants, like how they'll look on one person versus another. Like, what's your rib cage size? Like, what's your, you know, your fat to body, like fat ratio, like how much fat do you have? Like, how much breast tissue do you have? Um, you know, your nipple placement, everything. So, um, so the other comment was like, you know, do I regret it? I get that a lot. Like, not for a fucking day have I ever regretted getting implants. I love my boobs. I, like, it's probably one of my favorite things about my body that's like I've paid for it like, you know, like I like I, I love my eyes I love like whatever but my yeah my boobs I love how they look I literally went to my doctor I went to a lot of research found a doctor that I, I knew was very like well acknowledged as a great doctor went out to Miami to get them done showed him an exact photo of like my like ideal boobs and they look exactly like that photo mm-hmm. so like um I got exactly what I wanted um and I don't mean you, like, we're with a girlfriend of ours who got fake breasts a year ago. And I said, have you ever regretted getting boobs? She's like, not for a minute. I love them. So I think, you know, if... And sorry, I'm just going to add here before I forget. You also took tremendous care of your boobs once you had them done. Oh, yeah. This is, I, I preach this to everyone. Like, I am so meticulous about aftercare. And that is, I would say, 80% of having good surgery like results is how you take care of your how you take care of your body afterwards so like you know you knew a girl who went to work like a week after she got her boobs or two weeks two weeks after her boobs Mm -hmm. like you're literally asking for your boobs to get fucked like not in a good way you know like (laughs) not in a paper way but like i've seen so many girls with botched boob jobs who went to great doctors because they could not handle taking that much time off work so like just like everything i would say like have a nest egg have savings and like if you're not prepared to potentially take like three months off work post-surgery, not that you'll need that much, but like you should prepare to have that much time mm-hmm. off work. So like I took like two months off work and I didn't do fuck all. Like I literally made everyone carry everything for me. And I was like, yeah, I love these boobs. I ain't fucking nothing up with them. Like everyone else carry my shit. I ain't do nothing. So like the reason, yeah, I think they settled so well is because I was so meticulous. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about the aftercare. But I say it all the time, like if getting boobs is something you really want. I have literally never regretted for a fucking second my boob job. And maybe, I mean, maybe I regret a little bit when I'm hiking and running because this bitch is heavy. <laughs> like, <laughs> these bitches are heavy. But, yeah, um, 
I think, yeah, 100%. If that's something that you want, um, you should fully go for it. And just do your research. Yeah. Find a good doctor. And, and like I did, like, bring... And, like, look up so many fucking fake boobs. The amount of porn stars I looked at and the women I worked with and I asked the constant, who did your boob job? How old are they? Would you recommend them? How much did it cost? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Is he still taking patients? Um, researching um, real MDs or, yeah, all those, all those websites. Um, just do your research and find some some really good surgeons and then yeah be meticulous about your aftercare but 100 i've never got to get my tits done that's a very long answer i apologize okay next question my sugar daddy wants to transfer me money as a gift for christmas but doesn't want to share his full name does anyone know how we can do that this is the question of the century <laughs> paypal uh yeah so i and the first admit that I don't know technology well enough that like I've avoided PayPal because it's all, it's all that is linked to your personal email or your personal banking account. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's someone out there who easily knows how to track your bank account and drain you dry. So to me, like e-transfers, if they're local in, in Canada, e-transfers are a good way to go. But that um, shows your full name. Yes, but it's not attached to your bank account, right? Like, it just goes to your email, and you decide which bank account it goes to. So, e-transfers are what I prefer. I mean, cash is king, as we say, so cash is always the best way. But, yeah, e-transfers will show your name, although there are certain banks who, if you have a business account, you can change the name. So, and also mm-hmm. e-transfers will show your legal name if you are accepting, but not if you're sending. So, it doesn't really help mm-hmm. you getting money from your bank but guys. if they don't want to share their name, they could send money without showing. Yeah, yeah. So if your if your sugar daddy wants to transfer you money and not show their full name, they can send you an e transfer. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. But they will see your full name as you're accepting it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but if anyone listens, if anyone knows a good way um, to accept money, keeping somewhat anonymous, like please, please write in and let us know. Um, obviously Canadians don't get Venmo and all those good stuff, so... Yeah. We're a little, like, shit out of luck here. Yeah. Uh, next question. Hey, lady, I hope you've been well. I had a question. I was wondering if you could give me some advice. I'm really wanting to start working at a strip club, but I don't know too much about them. Like, their cultures, their demographics, safety, etc. I was wondering if you have any you would recommend applying for, especially for first-timers. I'd really appreciate your input. Thank you. So first and foremost, listen to episode six, the crash course for baby strippers. I run through a bunch of fucking advice for new dancers there. Um, my biggest advice to baby strippers is to one, walk in your heels at home. So you don't look like a fucking baby giraffe and YouTube, you know, the internet is such a fucking vast of knowledge. So like YouTube lap dances, take my lap dance course. Um, and then learn like some basic moves and just have that kind of down pack before you even go to the club. So, you know, the tried and true that work for your body that you're comfortable doing. And another thing is just respecting your elders in the club. Like you are new and that is their stomping ground. So just like stay the fuck out of their way. And then if someone approaches you be friendly, but I would not approach other dancers. I would keep it myself. But again, I'm of like the older crowd of dancers where like, people were mean to new dancers. So like, that's just how new dancers were expected to behave was like, stay, like, stay in your lane until we acknowledge you. 
Um, but you probably have a better idea because you're a newer dancer than I am. I mean, I went in with a friend who already worked there. So I kind of just like stuck with them. Mm. And I think that that was easier. Like they were showing me the ropes. But my number one advice would be check out a couple clubs that you might be interested in working and go as a, go as a customer, buy a lap dance, view the show, figure out yourself of like what the demographic is because it will change in every city, every country, every club. Um, so have a look, you know, like pay a dancer for a lap dance, see what sort of moves she does. Fuck it. Like ask her to teach you a move while you're paying for a lap dance, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, some dancers will be happy, respect the ones who don't want to do that. Um, but the best way to learn is to, uh, to do and to go and to see. 100%. And yeah, go, like, most places now do have, like, Tantra-esque clubs or, like, uh, like, um, like studios. Go take class and see if they offer lab dance classes. And then mm-hmm. the, the, I, I would be so honored if... Because, like, the amount of times that we have female patrons come into the club and be like, oh, my God, I want to be a stripper. Show me. Teach me. If you were serious about it and you came into the club and were like, I would love to be a stripper. I really think I'm going to apply soon. Can I pay you um, for a few dances where you could, like, walk me through what you do? Like, I'd be more than happy to show you that yeah. if you're paying my time and showing that respect. Um, and then, honestly, like, a lot, of it, a lot of it is just calling clubs and seeing if they're hiring. Um, and, unfortunately... A lot of clubs will say yes or no based on just your looks. Like, you know, they might say yes to you and no to someone else that they're hiring or not. Like, there's not much, um, like, real protocol or what's the word I'm thinking of? Rules and regulations. <laughs> so, yeah, just call around clubs. They'll probably want to come you come in and see you, and then they'll tell you if they're hiring or not. But that's kind of how it is. So... Uh, like, like Riley said, you know, the best way to learn is to see and try and do. So yeah, check out some local clubs and see, see what it's about. Next question. Oh, this one was the one. I don't remember if you remember this, Riley. They sent in a while back and it was like very much in sellish. <laughs> so here it goes. I've always wondered why men hate sex work so much. I mean, as long as they don't have children or a significant other, that they doesn't like it. Why should it matter to us? And I finally realized after all these years why they hate it. See, I recently started taking biology courses on the human male body and I learned that our hormones when it comes to our sex drive are often causes our judgment, values, and morals to be corrupted. Hence why the term post-nut clarity is used quite often because it seems when we are horny, we are willing to do a lot of things that we later might regret. Now, of course, this isn't the same for everyone in the world. It is often the case for most. And if it seems we men hate sex work because the empowerment that women get from selling their bodies for money isn't there at all unless we pay for their OnlyFans or give money to strippers and put value into the market and even thought OnlyFans models and strippers, even porn stars are only pawns compared to the person who owns the club or website owner as they're the only ones, they're, they're the ones making the real money. So in conclusion, that was a real long, wrong sentence. So in conclusion, most men hate sex work because the only reason women have value in that market is because the weak men on this planet give value in a sex worker to begin with. Because if we didn't pay for sex work and OnlyFans, women wouldn't make money in that market at all. And most men hate that we are the ones that give them power. And instead of blaming the weak men who pay for these acts or simply teaching their men to be their boys to be strong-willed and respectful of themselves, 
their money, we would rather project all of our self-hate onto women taking advantage of all the weak men in this world. Here, this is something I wrote that I hope you will share it because I feel a lot of men should hear this. If it's okay, you'd rather not. Okay, obviously I didn't share it because it's fucking nonsense. So anyways, um, I didn't even respond to this person because it just screamed incel and it wasn't worth it. But here is my public response. So several huge issues um, with your above statements. One, in quotes, men don't hate sex work and sex workers misogynistic people do. Two, uh, purchasing services from a consenting adult sex worker does not make someone, in quotes, weak. Three, sex workers are not, in quotes, taking advantage of, in quotes, weak men. They are providing a greatly needed service to people who are willingly compensating them for their labor. And four, sex workers are not, in quotes, pawns. They are real human beings who are providing a real service with real benefits. You know, in layman's terms, for you that can't understand it, sex work is real work. And you need to do some fucking re actual research into the very real benefits of sex work and the real whys of why individuals seek out the services of sex workers. Honestly, your mindset's extremely fucking uneducated and ignorant and, to be honest, extremely offensive to both sex workers and those who use sex worker services. And that's that. Riley, what you got? Uh, Riley, okay. what's good? <laughs> I have go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, 100%. This sounds like a man who's purchased... Uh, a little too much um, when he hasn't wanted to and that's fine you can you know take your misogynistic views elsewhere um, you could say that about any fucking industry I'm sorry but like people who use technology pay people who work in technology's bills people who don't want to cook at home pay servers bills like I'm sorry but that's the how the economy works is people want something People sell it, people buy it. Like, there's no, like, okay, so are you weak because you don't want to cook at home anymore? Because you just want, you know, a quick meal because it's easy and it's exactly what you signed up for? Like, I just, it baffles me that people don't even think about that. It's like, you were obviously, like, heartbroken by a sex worker that you hired because... Or you don't have enough money to buy a sex worker. It's buy a sex worker services. Truly. Honestly... I, I, yeah. I mean, thank you for writing in, but you sound fucking stupid. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, but fuck off. <laughs> so, okay, so we also had a story on Instagram a while back welcoming people to send in their questions. And they're like kind of like shorter, quicker questions. So we're going to kind of go to those ones now. The first one is, what are some people skills you've acquired because of the occupation? Um, laughing at shit jokes. <laughs> <laughs> my fake laugh is on fucking point now it's wild um no people skills um, i actually don't think you're funny at all i hope you know that i this is a fake laugh every time i am i've seen you literally wipe tears <laughs> <laughs> i'm very good <laughs> like crying also on point uh no uh real talk though fake laughing keeping someone interested in you for extended periods of time is such a fucking skill. Um, my neighbor's dog is barking, which is annoying, but we'll side past that. Um, but yeah, no, keeping, keeping someone enthralled in you and wanting to give them their money is, a lot of people can't do that. Like, 
I posted a thing a while back saying, you know, people always saying how they want to be a stripper and then realizing they have to be in a room with someone for 30 minutes to an hour and keep them entertained and realizing it's not easy work. Like, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's a real people skill. To, to you sell. have to have extremely good improv skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all actresses to a fucking T. Um, knowing when someone is wasting your time, like, reading someone's intentions, like, I think we get very good at reading intentions on people and reading people very well. Also, like, reading what people want like, I, I've, I, I think we've both gotten very good about when you enter into a dance with someone, watching how their, like, visceral reactions are, like, their non-verbal cues and, like, what they're into and adapting your dance to that um, or your conversation to that is a huge skill. Um, and then, like, our selling skills are fucking unmatched. Like, unmatched. Um keeping a thick skin is such a fucking skill like not letting shit get to you the amount of racist remarks I've heard because I am not always white passing like people do notice I'm mixed with something and the fucking ignorant comments I get because of that like the thick skin I've gotten because of that the thick skin I've gotten because of my fake boobs or that I'm not anorexically skinny or you know x y and z like you just need to get thick skin over it um Yeah, I've seen, uh, just touching on that, I have seen uh, on the internet lately, typically on TikTok, um, and I think it's been going on around a while, is uh, the 100 Days of Rejection. Mm, Good. And if you want to learn how to not fear rejection, you should be a stripper. Because, like, having no's is, is an automatic if you're a stripper. Like, it is just... The way the world works, you are not going to get a yes every time, and you have to bounce back enough to ask the person beside that person uh, if they want to dance. And so I think that's one thing that I've really uh, kind of honed in is my ability to be rejected and it to not affect me. 100%. I mean, you know, there's days where we're like, oh, these people, and it starts to get to you, but like... Yeah, I think of it's course. unmatched the level that we are like untouchable in that sense. Um, the stamina, like the simple stamina of the amount of work we do and the hours we put in in wearing heels and lingerie on top of that, like I think the skills you get from this job are just unparalleled. Unparalleled and like innumerable. Like it's it's crazy and all the other you know thesaurus words we can think. Of. Unmeasurable. <laughs> we equal. An equal. Inequal, yeah. Surpassing. Uh, okay. You, you no, I'm done. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it is. Uh, in the- <laughs> you're thinking of eight words. Yeah, no, you get a lot of skills from this job. Uh, I think the on the on the on the basic level of like selling skills and people skills, mm-hmm. like. It's it's unquestionable. The confidence too, really. Like, yeah. it, it's so funny because our job is truly, let's say, seventy five percent rejection. But the confidence we gain is almost almost a mediocre white man. Yeah, almost, but not quite. <laughs> the next one was, "Where is that white bodysuit from?" It's one of the pictures of me we have on the podcast page um from sheen um a lot of our shits from machine and like websites um which i know we're not supposed to do fast fashion websites anymore but we honestly 
outfits and you're taking them off like and people are pawing at them hundreds and of times and... people pull them uh you're like hiking them up to make a wedgie to like you know make your ass look like it's an ass for me um you just like i mean there's like three outfits that i have really like put money into that i have to wear all the time but when you're just like pulling an underwear on and off or like so much, the elastic just wears out of them and it's just so much easier to buy from from places like Sheen, unfortunately. But if you do know very durable, um, like sustainable brands, please send them to me. Mm, yeah, if you guys have suggestions, hit us up. Um, next one. How is dancing in Europe? Best country club question mark can Americans dance there? Assuming you're from Europe from the picture. We're not from Europe. Don't know why the picture mm-hmm. said that. Moving on. Do you guys... <laughs> Great. <you're> <laughs> uh, no, we're from Canada. I don't know anyone who um, is in Europe. I wonder what picture. Yeah. I don't know what picture suggested we're from Europe. Uh, do you guys manifest? I'm hella superstitious. Kind of. Like, hella superstitious. Um, I have a certain necklace I wear when I want money shifts. Um, I'm like... I have, like, I, will, I think it pairs in with my OCD as well with, like, numeric things. I have certain numbers that I believe are lucky. Um, I was raised Catholic, so, like, I have a certain, like, Catholic ritual I do um, with, like, the cross and, like, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit shit. Um, even though I'm, I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore. I don't know why it's stuck with me. I think it's my OCD. I really clung to it. So, like, there's certain crossing of my body I do. Um and certain numbers on the clock I follow and then I'll say like what I want to happen um within x amount of time which I guess is like the old version of the millennial manifesting idea um and putting it out to the universe or whatever kids do nowadays so I guess I manifest in that way I also typically I don't know what it is but like I'll say at the beginning of the month, like, how much I'm going to make that month to someone. I'm like, I'm going to make this much this month. And, like, I always make that or surpass it. So I think that's, like, a a version of manifesting. I think I'm just too old to jump on to, like, Mm -hmm. the, you know, TikTok version of, like, manifesting. I mean, to be fair, I think that manifesting is, like, predates TikTok. But I think that... I mean... Yeah, I, I, like, definitely, like, set intentions of, like, you know, wanting to, you know, goals, you know, that sort of thing. I don't think I necessarily manifest things. I think that I'm, like, I'm not very superstitious, but I do believe that if you, you know, I, I believe that, you know, a way manifesting works is that you, um put that sort of like positive, um, I can do this, I'm dying to do this sort of thing into you. And then people can read that. Like, I do think that that's like a, you go into a space with, with better energy. People get a better energy, a better energy off you. Energy. Energy. Um, Find it. <laughs> sexy nine. <laughs> but you know, like, I feel like people can see that within you. If you're actually have a, have a good mood, believe in yourself, um, that sort of thing. So I think that, in a sense, yeah, I do go into work with um, intention of, like, wanting to do well. And I think people can, you know, tell the difference between someone who does want to be there and someone who doesn't want to be there. Yeah, and definitely. so, like, for me, 
um, I don't manifest, but I think I like sort of follow the same sort of idea of like trying to do good or setting up, setting myself up to like, you know, do good in that way or like have a positive outlook in that way. Um, I do my goal for, um, 2021, I do want to get into this with you as well because I have a couple, um, for like new year's resolutions. I'm not typically a huge fan of new year's resolutions. I think that like dates are arbitrary and if you fail your new year's resolution, it can like just lead to kind of bad feelings as opposed to, you know, then starting, you know, the next Monday being like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Um, but being more like practicing gratitude is something that I want to do more. So like, instead of going, like also going into the shift with intention or, or like manifestation is like exiting a shift, um, sort of listing three things that I am grateful for. Oh, so um, many buzzwords. <laughs> yeah. No, but actually it's like, I think that's something that's like come up a lot when I'm feeling burnt out is because mm. I'm not, I'm looking back at all the stuff that's draining mm-hmm. and I feel like if I finished a shift with like, okay, what are three things that I'm actually feeling grateful for or that um, I felt good about the shift is that would, uh, you know, I would feel a little bit more positive leaving it and maybe, maybe I wouldn't feel so burnt out. So that's kind of what I want to do at the, you know, starting from quote unquote, like next year, my new year's resolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one here. Is doing private parties the best way to secure a driver and security? If driving, if doing private parties is the best way to secure a driver security, um, I think that's a you thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people drive me to gigs, and I've had, and I think, I think, unfortunately in this industry security is on you a lot of the time Mm -hmm. so like I know with my girlfriends if I have girlfriends that do private meetings one-on-one they will reach out to me or one of my friends and tell them where they're gonna be and what time they should be checking on their phone just like doing like our own self-checks and like reach out to each other um but yeah if that's something you're comfortable with reaching out to a security person that you or a driver um I, I think that's a great idea yeah also having someone that you know be your security and your driver and coming to them and being like listen I will pay you x amount um you know and having someone that you know has a stake in your game rather than than just the money of like Mm -hmm. having your back because I've worked for um I've worked for Companies that send you with a manager or a driver and they literally just sit on their phone and fuck around and you also have to pay them out like whatever per dance per hour whatever it is tip them at the end of the night like hire your own person that you know would have your back whether you're paying them or not yeah I agree uh what's going on with agencies for strippers in BC is it mandatory to work there I think that's only for stage no yeah, so uh, agency for strippers was big years ago. I feel like it's not as much anymore. Um, a lot of us in different provinces were assigned with agencies, even if we were doing stage, you had to be with an agency. Um, but now, in especially in BC, it is more stage people are with agencies. Um, a lot of the non-stage girls are independent. Um, they just kind of bounce around to clubs as they please. 
um, it's not really a thing anymore. Um, kind of the um, landscape of stripping has changed quite a bit in that regard with agencies and that. Um, what, oh, what does this mean? Screening in the maple thing. Don't know what that means. Do you know what that screening means? Screening in the maple thing? Screening in the maple thing. I don't even know this what I can, This is exactly like... what we meant when we say that we've talked about so much shit. Yeah. This is why we need to get to listener questions, like, ASAP. When they actually happen. Yeah, I have no clue what the fuck you're talking I'm about. I'm sorry. sorry. Please write in with a little more information. Yeah, don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what's your go-to move on a customer that works every time during a dance? Well, I feel like that's kind of what we touched on as well is, is being able to read your customer. Not every customer is going to like the same thing. I know for a fact, you know, some customers like more of the porn star dance where you're like bouncing up and down on their lap. Some of them like more of like a sensual dance where you're like maybe, you know, dancing on them and like touching their chest really slowly. Like you have to be able to read what the your client cues. wants. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think that there's necessarily a thing that I always do. Honestly, I, an, a gyrate can never go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's real basic. I like to like sit on my, like the person's lap and take my bra off facing away from them because I feel like it, like it's it more up. exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For but, me, like I'm, if anyone who's worked with me, um, I have like very, two very distinct personalities on my work. Like on the floor, I'm very like, don't fucking talk to me. Um, very much my real self. <laughs> and then when I'm doing a dance, if I think the person is like, has somewhat of a personality, I'll be kind of goofy during the dances. So like, I'll like, you know, like <laughs> black eyes with the boobs and like things like that. Like I'll do stupid shit. Um, but my dance style is always slow. Like I, I never dance fast. I find slow sensual is much more... Um, appealing to a larger demographic than like twerking and like, going crazy on a dick. Um, that's that's my my style for sure. Um, but like I said, like you can never go wrong with a slow gyrate. You know, like, if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, just go back to a simple like hip rotation sitting on the lap. Mm -hmm. And like even if you're like, especially if you're new and you're uncomfortable, like have your back to them and just like literally slowly gyrate on the hips. We gyrate your hips on their lap. You're good to go. You can right, pull a whole right, song right. on that one. Grinding. And we're dancing with our vagina. Dancing with our vagina. Orgasmize. Orgasmize. And we're done. Literally, just go back to family guy routine. You're good. Um, what is your favorite and least favorite clubs that you've ever worked at? I honestly haven't worked at... I've like worked at one club. So I guess it is my favorite and my least favorite by default. Yeah, I worked at a lot of clubs and I didn't say shit. Yeah, I've worked at a lot of clubs. And uh, yeah, there's been some good ones. There's been some real shit ones. Um, we ain't burning, burning bridges here. Yeah, 100%. Um, and like, it's so individual. Like, the clubs that I thought were shit, some girls might fucking love. The clubs I love, some girls think mm -hmm. are shit. Like, so me even saying that isn't really helpful at all. But I, I worked out a lot, and the ones that I repeatedly go to, you know, speak for themselves. And the ones that you'll never see me at again, clearly there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many men or women are inappropriate towards you when you're working? I hope not many. 
I would say all of the men. <laughs> I'd say all the fucking women. Uh, women are notoriously gropey um, and disrespectful of boundaries, which is unfortunate. I feel like they go one of two ways. Either they're very shy and like don't really know what to do and sort of like sit with their back against the chair and then their like hands like sprayed out also against the back of the chair. Um, like they're about to have, you know, like a strip trip, like they don't, they've a deer in the headlights. Um, or they think that they're able to touch you and grope you because they're not seen as aggressive or as like predatorial as a man. Yeah. And actually I like, I've had, I've had obviously have clients that are very respectful and very lovely, but, um, I, a lot, you know, like I think stripping is just one of those industries where you're not seen as a full person. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I, I joke about it, but to be honest, it's pretty rare that someone is like, actually inappropriate with me. But I think it's also the energy I give off is like, I will stab you <laughs> if you fuck with me. So I think like, because I am such a dominating personality, most people know how to act right. Um, and the same person that acts right with me is probably going to be a fucking goof with someone else. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, like, the air I give off is very much, like, don't fuck with me. Um, so I think I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. Like, that, that kind of personality does warrant me um, a little less shitty behavior from customers. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't get too many people to act wrong around me. Um, and then last question here. What is $1,000 night energy? Okay, um, I'll go first. Um, I, I think like what you mean by thousand dollar night is like what kind of energy that you're going to bring to the club is going to give you a good night. Um, without fail, I tend to make the most money when I'm working with my girlfriend. So nights that you and I are working together, we tend to bring in good money. Mm-hmm. And good money nights, that kind of energy is typically like I did my hair, I did my makeup, I like my outfit, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling sexy. I'm, like, willing to be bubbly and friendly. Um, Would and you say we, you go in with intention? No. <laughs> no, because I'm too old to say intention. Uh, <laughs> no, it's more so, like, I'm just, like, I've had a good day. I think I'm, like, well-rested. I think I'm, like, I haven't been at the night for the club for the last, like, 18 nights, and I'm just fucking burnt out. Like, I'm, like, and sometimes, like, the best nights are just when I'm like hanging out with you and other friends and we're just like vibing in the club and we're just having good nights and like good customers are around and then we just like are vibing with them we're making jokes and we're just like Mm -hmm. being authentic and actually having fun um I think that's when we make our most money like that night the probably one of the best money nights we've had recently was with the uh guy that we went for like all those hours with and we just like we're just like goofing off. Our and friend, like, our singer friend, our Mexico friend. Yeah, yeah Mexico. Mexico. And we were just like loving life and we were dying laughing. And like those are thousand dollar nights where you're just like being like truly yourself and like laughing our ass off. Like I find that's when people really connect with you mm-hmm. is like those nights. I agree. I think my, uh, my initial answer would be nights that start well. Oh, 100%, because you're already in, like, the money, money, money mood. I exactly. Find nights that start slow, I'm already, like, annoyed by halfway through. Exactly. So, yeah. And I think that's, like, nights... So then, I guess, to reel that back, nights where you are just willing to have a good night, regardless of what mm-hmm. you make. And then people can, you know, see that sort of 
in, to say energy within you or like you know you you just come off like you're having a good time and that's what people want yeah they want to be around good time people 100 percent. i completely agree but yes oh my god i loved that guy oh my god Ugh, bless <laughs> this is the guy that i think we discussed yeah mexico I, a couple episodes back, and he started like showing like us really his dance singer. dance moves, and just like sm- smoked himself on the <laughs> stage. Like he, was fine. he was fine. Great but he was fine. Great dancing. It yeah. was so fun. Oh my god! Oh, lovely. Love him. Love that for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that is the end of all the questions for season four. We there did were- it. We did it. Except for the maple one. <laughs> Proud of us. Uh, yes, so I just want to start by saying I found a post on Sin South Australia, and I would like to recognize International Day to End uh, Violence Against Sex Workers, which is on December the 17th. Uh, the post from Sin South Australia says International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers is observed on December 17th each year. The date was founded in 2003 and was originally a, memor- a m- memorial and vigil for the victims of the Green River Killer in Seattle, Washington, USA, many of whom were sex workers. Since then, it has evolved into an annual day to raise awareness of the violence and hate crimes against sex workers worldwide. Violence against sex workers is a systemic issue perpetuated by the criminalization of our work, which contributes to stigma, decriminalization, and police harassment. Criminalization creates barriers to sex worker health, safety, and access to justice. Violence committed against sex workers most heavily affects those also affected by transphobia, racism, criminalization, and stigma, such as transgender sex workers, indigenous sex workers, and sex workers of color, street-based sex workers, people who use drug and drugs, and migrant sex workers. We cannot fully recognize the extent of violence against sex workers without also recognizing and fighting against these issues as well. So I just wanted to say, like, December 17th is uh, International um, End Violence Against Sex Workers, which I thought was very fitting considering this will be coming out on the 16th of December. Yeah. Um, And then hijacking the last part of our 100th episode... (laughs) Um, if you a are a, if you are a a, are a, are a, go on. <laughs> if you are a listener to the podcast, you know that at the end of every interview, um, we have the three rapid fire questions. <laughs> I <laughs> I thought for the end of the hundredth hundredth episode. Wow, I'm really that one glass of wine is getting to me. <laughs> I would ask you, uh, you know, in in light of our four seasons, four questions, um, looking back over the hundredth episodes for you, Danica. I. <laughs> so number one, what is something that has surprised you about this podcast? Ah, surprising the success mm-hmm. and like the reach of it has really surprised me. Um, I mean, I'd like to think, like, I always knew it would be successful. Like, you know, but, yeah, that's that's 100% surprised me. Like, the amount of times that someone from, like, across the world has reached up and, like, I found it through a friend. I'm like, 
how? <laughs> like, you know, like that's, it's, it's so cool to see the numbers constantly rise. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really dope. What is one thing that you are most proud of? With regards to the podcast mm-hmm. or just in general? I, I think in general. I think that's fair to say. I am very proud of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I am very proud of just, like, you know, starting from not, like literally nothing and, and the reach, the, like the reach and the success that it had. But also just always being unapologetic for myself. Mm-hmm. Like even in my personal life, like I am just who the fuck I am and like you get, you get what you get with me and I'm, I'm very proud of always being that way. What is your next goal for yourself or for the podcast? The podcast, I just, I think my goal is to just keep having awesome guests on and, and really always working to provide that safe space for people. I think that's like really my goal now and forever. Um, as long as the podcast is around and then for myself, um, retirement, Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever that looks like, whenever it looks like, um, you know, I always have like monetary goals in mind. So, you know, keep reaching those monetary goals. And since the, since you started the podcast, how do you believe that you have grown? I think I've one learned how to be more politically correct. Hundred percent. We think we both have. Mm-hmm. I think we both say a lot of shit, and they're like, "Like that's not gonna land right." Um, I think. How have I grown? I think that, like, joking aside, I think that is one. That I think we both have like really noticed. We need to word ourselves well and really like be articulated with how we want things to land because God knows we've had some people reach out and did not land how we expected it to. Um, I think just like broadening my friend groups and like, and I I do consider all the guests on the podcast a friend now. And like, I think that's been really cool to see my friendships grow in that way and the diversity of my friendships grow. Um, yeah, I think that's like, that's my answer. Look at you surprising me with questions, <laughs> baby. Oh, okay. Well, that's it. That's cool. I'm so proud of you. Look at you trying your own thing out. <laughs> I thought it'd be like a perfect way to sum up the hundred episodes. I know that you always did three rapid fire questions, and I was like, "Hi, I, I see you." Um, okay, what's been your favorite thing about being a part of the of the show, and what's something that surprised you? Oh my god, I did not expect this question. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm definitely surprised with like how far we've reached for sure. I think like, you know, when you sent me like a, a message from a girl, like a sex worker in, in New Zealand and I was like, it's so crazy for me to think that like, I feel so maybe secluded here. And I feel like, you know, I started a sex work when I moved to Canada Um, When I move back home, I don't think I will continue sex work. So it feels very much like a Canadian part of me. And it's so crazy to think that, like, I mean, New Zealand is small. Like, I was talking to my friend Chevy, who we had on the podcast, um, and I was thinking about, like, working at home while I went to go visit uh, family. And she's like, I do not think you realize how small New Zealand is. Like, I don't think that's a good idea for you. Um, if you're trying to keep yourself, you know, somewhat anonymous. And so to think that there's someone in New Zealand who like hears the side of me so like candidly and open and like very like proud to be a sex worker is like, is kind of crazy. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. What's been your favorite part about being a part of the show? Honestly, just 
just being a part of it like as simple as that like I think that through you and the podcast I've learned how to be more secure in myself as a sex worker I've learned how to be more outspoken about you know sex workers rights and it really helped me um you know I I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago was uh the internalized whorephobia that we still have of like trying to be like well I do this but I'm also studying or I also have degrees or like, you know, like, and, and, but, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's, it's helped me definitely come into my own of like, I'm a sex worker full stop mm-hmm. and like what that means to me, what the community means to me. Um, and sort of just being unapologetically, um, you know, like as much as I still am anonymous in my Canadian life, still being very like, you know, trying to challenge those around me and, and their views on sex work and even my family's, you know, like I did come out to my family and like, I'm not, it's not that I care about being like, if I'm honest with myself, I don't give a shit if people in New Zealand know that I'm a sex worker. I, I think my family would. And so for their comfort and safety, I'm being a little bit like closed off about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can test that. I think like even the last like year, like the way you've grown one like as a sex worker in the way you operate in the clubs and that and I've watched you and the way you make your money in that has substantially like increased and gotten better and your skills have like really sharpened but even just as a out sex worker and the way you speak of sex work and the way you like are very strong and yeah unapologetic in your stance as a sex worker like I've noticed that, and I'm very bad. Again. <laughs> I honestly think that, like, yes, the podcast has helped, but I think just like even being around you has been like a treat, and I think that I've learned so many um, immeasurable and insurmountable. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, but I I do think that like my best qualities have come from like working with you and and showing how you move, and yeah, I just I want to say that I really appreciate that, like. I know we joke, I, I joke about how like much of a parrot I am and like how I, I truly do learn by like watching others and I have truly become like your prodigy. Um, <laughs> that makes you sound so old. <laughs> no, but like, you know, I've learned so many great things off you and I just want to say like, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I will always try and like get you back, you know? Thanks. Dare I say I am the best parts of you? <laughs> <laughs> Dare you say it? <laughs> no, um, that all makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I'm so proud the of you. The wine to the one glass of wine we had to celebrate. Oh God, all of our feels. <laughs> As a good say. Uh, no, it's been a pleasure. I am. I joke about you, me, not wanting you as a co-host, but I guess you're a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. I was gonna put that as one of my full questions, and I was like, "No, I can't." Am I not a co-host? <laughs> uh, yes, you are a co-host now, I guess. Um, and I would not have anyone else. So thank Thanks you for me. doing the journey with me. And thank you, listeners, for your constant support, criticism sometimes, uh, love always. <laughs> Yeah, a little too much criticism, guys. <laughs> no, you guys have been awesome. Um, and, like, I, yeah, always challenge us and, and help us learn, too. But the support, yeah, is is so much appreciated. It's so cool to see us reaching insane numbers and across the world. And thank you, thank you, thank you. It has been a lovely 100 episodes. And to 100 more, thank you, everyone 
listening and all the followers. Where can people find you, Riley? As always, you can find me at underscore Riley Devine on and Instagram. As always, you can find me on Instagram at 50plusatip or email at 50plusatip at gmail.com. The fifth season is coming out. We do have some uh, guests already lined up, but if you have anyone that you are just hoping we chat with, please send us uh, their contact and we will try and make it happen if you guys have anyone you really want to see on the podcast for season five. And please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I got us onto all of the platforms. Um, it really helps um, us. It helps other people. It helps other sex workers. It helps the community. Like, please pass it on. If you don't want to, like, you know, share it to everyone, please just pass it on to one other sex worker that you think would enjoy this podcast or maybe someone that you think could use a little education about what sex work is. It really, it really would mean the world to us if you showed us some support on those platforms as well so that we can keep making keep making these episodes definitely and as always have a wonderful christmas and a lovely new year's and happy happy whoring. whoring